Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock! It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock! You were born in Sunderland, but your spiritual home is North London. You joined Spurs as a schoolboy in 1976. You ran home back to Sunderland six times before making your debut in a 3-0 win against Everton. Over two periods, you played for Spurs 170 times. You scored 25 goals. You won an FA Cup. You won the League Cup and a UEFA Cup. You was a full England international before retiring at the end of the 1995 season. You are not Eden Hazard's dad. You are Mickey Hazard. You are a legend of Wyatt Lane. Welcome to the Fighting Cock Podcast. Is that it? I was going to be arousing applause. Where was it? I was going to clap, but Mickey didn't clap. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Mickey. I just looked at Mickey. You were looking at Mickey, and I thought, like, I thought oh, there was someone goodness. else going to clap. I was putting in that out for ages. Bloody hell. Do you know how, many times, how long that took me to write that? Bloody hell. Hello, Mickey. You just spent a full minute on it. Well, it's five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to have you oh, back, uh, Mickey, for the second time. Um, the last time we did this most downloaded episode of the Fighting Cock ever. Wow. 
And I think in no small part because of the emotion and um, the, the kind of just raw, the, just the realness of which you talk about Tottenham and, and, and what the club means to you. And I think it resonates, obviously, with fans because it means the same to us. But to hear an ex-player talk about it the way you did, it was just, um, it was just fantastic. And we knew that we had to get you on again. And you was always very open to it. A couple of times we mooted doing it and, and he was like, yep, yeah, whenever. Uh, but we, we managed to get it done. And obviously it's apt because the North London Derby's on Sunday, uh, tomorrow when this comes out. Yeah. So while we playing Barnet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's apt actually because we played Barnet and uh, we played at Underhill for the under 21s. I know, I know. Recently. And then it was just, uh, that was a fantastic experience. And we're doing it again actually. Shall I give a quick plug for that? because loads of people can download this one. The 1882 is at the um, the uh, the game at, at White Hart Lane. On the 28th. 28th of March, 7pm. Uh, tickets are £3 to members or £5 to non-members. So what blocks have you got? 13 to 16. So it's about 1,300 tickets. And if we sell all of those against the scum, oh God, it'll be, un- be glorious. unbelievable. Anyway, Mickey, I've got a couple of questions. When I was a kid and we used to pick up the program there was always an interview of a player and there was always bizarre questions that they would ask and they were the same to everyone what was your pre-match meal before you played it for Spurs what a great question that is Um, wow I would probably say in those days I probably put down scrambled egg on toast nice I used to have scrambled egg on toast why I haven't got a clue except I like scrambled egg. Um, I'm not so sure whether it had any uh, energy um, beneficial to me, benefits to me, I don't know. Um, but I did like it. Uh, but I suppose bread carries a bit of carbohydrate, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so that may be the reason why that was. Not that we were aware of what carbohydrates were in those days. Um, I think I then changed it to beans on toast, um, which obviously felt like I was running with the wind behind me <laughs> so um, uh, yeah so uh, and then as we got a little bit more knowledge about nutrition I, I, I started to eat a little bit of pasta but I always remember Glenn when Glenn um, was my manager he used to say to me uh, he used to make us eat pasta and his first ever time of being my manager we went to a hotel and he said, right, I've ordered you all pasta. So, of course, it was all a spag ball, wasn't it? Let's be honest, spaghetti bolognese. No, couldn't wait for it to come. And then it came and everybody had a sp- plate of spaghetti. There was no spag ball. Where's the bolognese? Can't eat it. I don't even like spaghetti without sauce. And we're sitting eating this spaghetti and I'm thinking, wow. You know? Is that so, it? Spaghetti? That, spaghetti! Nothing else! <laughs> Absolutely staggering. I'd be livid. Uh, livid. Yeah, yeah. I had a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> prison food. Yeah, honestly, it was weird. Uh, absolutely. Weird. But yes, yeah, scrambled egg, uh, mainly when I was very young. And your favourite type of music when you was a footballer? It still is today. Um, soul music. Um, it was always soul or yeah. Motown. It was so te- soul, Motown, soft, <laughs> soft soul ballads. The Manhattans, Ray Goodman and Brown. Now it's Jaheim um, and John Legend. Um, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Fanatical. Fanatical wow. soul man, aren't I? Um, just, just absolutely love it. I love the sound. I love the words. Every word. I, 
you've probably guessed I'm a lover of words they carry meaning so when you listen to a good song at a good rhythm um, the words are so crucial they carry every little piece of meaning that you can get so soul music sort of fitted in beautifully with me I'll have to recommend you some stuff after the point yeah you do you do no doubt you've got stuff that I'm not aware of yeah I've got a few got yeah a been a bit modest <laughs> and uh, what car did you drive well my first ever car at the after after passing my uh, driving test was a Ford Capri um, that was in 1979 I think um, does it state that I don't know Ah, so I drove a, a Ford Capri, and I remember um, I actually uh, I had a crash in it not long after I passed my driving test, and caused an incredible amount of damage, and um, I was earning very little money at the time, so I couldn't afford to have it fixed. Um, so I drove around with it all smashed in the front <laughs> until, until the the club found out, and then. Uh, Mr. Jones, who was the club secretary, called me into his office and he said, look, we will pay for the insurance and we will pay for this and you just pay us back at £50 a month, which was amazing, really. You know, Here I was, an, a young boy trying to make his way in the game and it's it a lot of money when you're young to insure your car and uh, the club paid it for me and then I... And they said, we will never come to you for the money. You have to bring it to us every month without fail right uh, that was a great lesson actually in one handling your own finances two discipline and three the responsibility of having to take it somewhere at a given day of the month and, and hand it over um, so it taught me good lessons it's remarkable isn't it how, how different that is now I mean the, 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 the footballers are, are, are driving better cars than the managers probably I mean in this day and age if that was uh, Daniel Levy he would say right Mickey, you pay us back £50 a month out of your wages. How much do I get paid? £50. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> Dan. With interest. <laughs> yeah. With interest. <laughs> what's, what's really interesting is you can't imagine one of today's... You, you, you know, you're looking at it and remember that I'd played in the first team at this stage, but you can't even imagine a 16-year-old joining uh, Spurs yeah. as his first year YTS. You can't imagine them... Um, not being able to afford a Bentley yeah. nowadays they're on that much dough I mean I've heard stories of, of young boys and I'm aware of that it's fact this is not um, made up this is fact I've been aware of 16, 17 year olds on seven, eight thousand pounds a week you know and my big concern or worry about that is is that you know, by the age of 18, 19 these guys are the millionaires you know they've got it made they don't probably ever have to work again what motivation is there for them to get into the first team really well that's yeah. it they've kind of made it before they've Absolutely. even kicked a, a, a ball in earnest yeah um, I think there's a couple of players I, I can think of at Spurs and no longer there so I can talk about them with freedom um, but John Bostock sticks out for that the kind of the, the and, and they are rumours and they're things you hear but the kind of attitude of having made it before you've actually done anything to, to warrant but I, I, I work with John at Crystal Palace mm. um, so I'm very aware of the deal I'm very aware of what John was like as a young boy I've got to say he was second to none he was a real lovely Christian boy um, what I will say is that for some reason he got lost um, he was very talented as a youngster he came into the our club and, and he, he, he somehow got lost within who he was 
you know you have to have your own identity and you have to have a belief in your own self and somehow John lost his identity he forgot what type of player he was what made him become such a hot property as a youngster and then he sort of played a slightly different game and, and the story goes from people that I've spoken to about him is that you know he had this way of playing he thought he he was this type of player he wasn't um, and he he played to this style that really didn't suit him so he got lost in his identity and maybe the fact that he got on such colossal amount of money at such a young age the fact that he be, he came from a small club to a big club maybe played a part in all of that um, you talked earlier about you playing golf with one of the odd ladies. how would that how did that get on how did you get on <laughs> Do I have to say? Yeah, yeah you brought it up. I'm boosting Aussie's ego here. Now, I played golf with Aussie today. He, he rang me last yesterday evening um, and said, "You know, do you fancy a game? We'll try and get a full ball." I said, "Yeah, we never got a full ball." Me and Aussie, as luck would have it, Paul Price, former Spurs, who played in the 1982 FA Cup final, was over from Australia, and he came along not to play but to have a cup of tea with us and a chat, bit of banter, bit of stick was flying around and. Uh, things like that was great banter played with Aussie I've got to say that having played with Aussie on any number of occasions over 25 years maybe maybe longer I don't think I've ever seen him play so well as he played today because I played out of my skin and I got stuffed he beat me 4-3 and three. he was brilliant I mean for some reason this accident I think it's made him forget who he is. <laughs> I ask about and I, yeah, and, and I think that he's starting to think his name's Tiger. <laughs> Wood, something like that. And he's hitting the ball further than I've ever seen him hit it. He's hitting it higher than I've ever seen him hit it. And he's playing better than I've ever seen him play. And I, I said to oh, I said, Ozzy, I've never seen you play like this, ever. I said, go back to... Falklands and have another crash, mate. <laughs> I, want, I want my old Aussie back, the one I used to beat. <laughs> Honestly, he was absolutely brilliant. You've but got a, a really special relationship with Aussie Ardenes, and it seems odd from the outside because you're a kind of working class lad from Sunderland, and Aussie Ardenes is from halfway across the world, and you've kind of been brought together by the, the beautiful game. Um, but what, what, why? What's the, what, how, where does this friendship come from? <laughs> give in <laughs> listen it's in my mind it's surreal it's just it's almost like a dream really you know you, here I am a, a young schoolboy from the north of England Sunderland um, who happens to end up playing for the club that maybe he was born to play for um, and then two years later having joined full time having joined as a 12 year old but then became full time at 16 two years following that I'm sitting watching TV, Aussie Ardiles wins the World Cup um, with Argentina. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever believe that I would be training on the same training ground, playing in the same team, um, sitting playing cards, taking his money, beating him at golf. All of that. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams. But um, if you know Aussie as I know him, and one day I'll try and get him to come on a show like your show. If you know him as I know him, you would actually understand how easy it is to be close with this guy. He's one of life's 
most wonderful, wonderful people, and he has a special, special skill, uh, a special skill of making each and every one he comes into contact with feel so special to him, because I'm sure I'm not his best friend, but he makes me feel like I'm the only friend he's ever got, you know, but he would make you feel the same, and you, everybody he comes into contact, everybody he touches, they just seem to worship him, you know, and he uh, really does make you feel special, he, he's a special guy, as is Ricky, of course. <laughs> you, Ricky, that's yeah, right. I know. Yeah, 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 I didn't think I meant that. <laughs> I should also say, we've got Ricky and Flonies here with us, I didn't introduce you, so wow. it's all right, it's all right. Do you want to ask Mickey anything? Um, I was going to ask him about um, Ozzy's accident, but he really kind of covered that. Well, Ozzy's accident, believe it or not, was, you know, he said today, he said, we were standing on the eighth tee. He was two up at the time, so he was feeling very confident. He said, it's hard to believe that I'm actually standing here playing golf. He said, here I am in, in the Falklands. He said, I'm doing a documentary on the Falklands, of which I'd known about a few weeks earlier. Uh, he said, and uh, in the roads in the Falklands, they're all made of stones. And they sort of give way as you're driving along and you slide from, you sort of rock from side to side. He said, so I'm driving along, I'm doing 70 mile an hour. And um, <laughs> I'm sliding from that slide side to side and I'd never driven in these conditions before and Ricky and the others in the back had so they were saying don't worry don't worry and he said now I could feel myself thinking whoa this, I feel a bit unsafe he said and then they said no you've got to accelerate through it <laughs> he said so I accelerated he said, and I just took off he said and I whoop and we went over five times they tripped quadrupled over <clears throat> fortunately which is unusual for Aussie unusual for Ricky they had their seatbelts on um, which probably saved some of them, but unfortunately it didn't save Ozzy. Ozzy was the only one who got injured. And the, they said his actual, uh, his skull, in 28 stitches, and it was just totally hanging over like this, and you could in see inside his head. Oh. And it was the first confirmation we've ever had that he's got no brain. <laughs> 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 um, Joe Royal, I think it was, said uh, that tr trying to tackle him was like trying to tackle dust. And we were talking yeah. before we recorded the podcast, and as a young man, as you said, there's a World Cup winner coming over to play for you, the team that you're going to be playing in, and you know, and then both midfielders. Uh, and you was talking about the way he fought and the lessons he taught you. Oh, listen, there's things that. You know, before you know someone and you know their strengths and weaknesses, and, and it's one of the problems that we've had in our first team this season, there's been such a big influx of, of players that nobody knows what their strengths and weaknesses are, so they've had such a long time to adapt to one another, uh, learn about their strengths and weaknesses. When Ozzy came, I had to learn about his strengths and weaknesses because I was a young boy, I was 18, I was desperate to impress this Argentinian World Cup winner. You know, I couldn't wait to show him how skillful I was because all we hear is how skill, skillful continental footballers are. But hey, there's just as much skill in our country. So I was desperate to show him. But, but I'm now watching Aussie in training. I'm trying to learn everything about him. And every time he's running with the ball, I'm thinking, he's lost control. He's lost control. I can nick this. And as I went to nick it, he was gone. And the ball <laughs> was gone. You know, and ah, that was luck. That was, it had to be luck. <coughs> You know, and then the next thing, the ball would be overran again and it'd be three yards away from it. He's miscontrolled it again. And someone would be nipping in and he'd poke it through their legs and he's gone again. And I thought, and he did it so much that I, I kept thinking, no, this is, this is miscontrolled. Mm. But it wasn't. It was his, his skill. He used to lure you into thinking, I've overran it, hit me. And the minute you went 
the minute you committed, he was gone with it. You know, it was an unbelievable skill to have, you know, and and it taught there's lots of things that I learned off Ozzy, but this is that, you know, one of the, the greatest things that you can learn off Ozzy is uh, is to lure the opponent into a false sense of security, to lure him into thinking, oh, I've got this, and the minute he thinks he's got it and he's committed to going for it, boom, I'm not there anymore. You know, and it, it was a fantastic education to work with a World Cup winner who maybe wasn't as naturally gifted as as I was or as Glenn was but was a pure genius the, I mean he, he had a brilliant career at Spurs um, uh, and it was kind of cut short both of them really the, 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 it was it was kind of hindered towards the end because of what was happening in the Falklands and um, how did that affect his kind of the way he ended his career at Spurs and certainly the season where, with Ricky Beater as well where he you know, he, he decided not to play in that final in 82. Well, number one, politics should never ever come into any form of sport um, because politics should be kept as it is pol political. It is, sport is a separate issue altogether and um, it, sport brings people together, it brings countries together, it brings the world together. So f football is one way of overcoming politics and uh, to see two incredibly close friends of mine Ozzy and Ricky going through the emotions um, when it all broke in 1982 um, remember we'd won the FA Cup the previous year we were on a um, another fantastic FA Cup run we'd just beaten Chelsea in the quarter final 3-2 at Stamford Bridge I was lucky enough to get the winner um, and then we go into we get drawn against Leicester in the semi-final at Villa Park Wow, I mean, if ever there's an opportunity to go and get yourself in the another FA Cup final, here we are. And um, they were going through such incredible turmoil. Ozzy played in the semi-final at Villa Park. It was his last game before uh, leaving. Um, he never got to play in the final, having played such a key part in helping us get there. The, one of the biggest tragedies of all, of all for me was Ricky Velia, who had scored that goal of the century the previous year, a goal of schoolboy dreams are made of and here we have this player who scored such an incredible goal at Wembley to help us win the FA Cup you're not going to get the chance to do it again because um, war had broken out in the Falklands and, uh, and and incredibly right up until the Friday Ricky was playing in the team or the Friday before the game um, because in training we'd rehearsed everything we were doing I was playing in front of the back four Graham Roberts was playing at the back Ricky Velia was playing behind the front um, and I was the one going to be feeding Ricky and blah 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 and right up until the Friday we'd worked all week on it and then Ricky because of the pressure of the, the political nature of the animal that was going on um, Ricky decided that he had to pull um, which then was incredibly sad for him but then it made us all have to do a reshuffle. We then brought, uh, I think it was Paul Price or Paul Miller came back in, um, and then Robbo came into midfield alongside me. So it, it made a, it was completely change. So he never did return though, did he? I mean, Ozzy went to PSG for a year That's and right. came back. It still did pretty well in the UEFA Cup run and all that. But Ricky V never came back. And from what I read, he, it seemed to have hit him very hard, the whole conflict in there. Yeah, no. It, the, 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 the thing was about. Both was, you know, when you when we talk about this 80s team, this 80s squad that we'd built, Keith had built and and, not, and combined these big name signings like Ozzy, Ricky, Archie, Clem, um, 
Garth, people like this, uh, and we combined these with the homegrown talent that was coming through our club at that time. You know, the, the Oddles, the myself, the Millers, the Roberts, the Galvins, the Chris Utons, you know, who I believe homegrown talent always will and always has given the club its heart and soul. Without the, the homegrown talent, it doesn't have its heartbeat. The other ones who come through the system, they're the ones who's, who love the club uh, with all their hearts, that, you know, Mark Falcor, and they just give it its heartbeat, and then it's supplemented by these big name sign, signings. Um, sorry. Well, sorry, you can go on, I was just going to ask another question. But um, I mean, I was saying recently there's been a lot of talk of um, the harmony or the lack thereof in our dressing room in 2014. So I just wondering, how did that team of, of the mid '80s, how did they all get on? And when they went for a bad patch, did was it a big characters to kind of you know oh, shore things up? The biggest. Yeah. Listen, um, I remember my debut in '79 against Everton. I was a young boy. I mean, on the Friday, Keith tells me I'm sprinting down Tottenham High Road, <laughs> finding the nearest phone box. I'm ringing my mum and dad. I'm, 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 get me 57 tickets. Oh, thanks. I'm broke now for two years. You know, we weren't earning the money. So I'm running home. I'm, everyone's getting planning all this trip to come down. I get in on the Saturday. I haven't even had a time to think about the game. Or, uh, the excitement is so overwhelming almost. I'm, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do or what I'm going to, who I'm playing against. Or it. And you're sitting in the dressing room, and then suddenly the reality of the situation hits you. And there's like, shit, <laughs> I'm playing here. And then you look around your dressing room. Another there. Thank God for that. <laughs> oh look, there's Aussie over there. Oh God, I can't. There's Stevie P. Oh, <laughs> Stevie Archibald, Ray Clements, characters. Oh, Maxime, we were full of them. We had characters for fun. And I'm a 19 year old boy, and I thought, I can't play. Even if I play bad, we're going to win five nil. <laughs> <laughs> so it almost didn't matter how I played because I just looked at. So with that, with that, you know, you've got all these big characters, all these wonderful footballers that you sort of look up to as a youngster, and you can sit in the dressing room and think, well, shit, who gives a damn, really? No, no one's going to be out there thinking, oh, we've got to control Mickey Hazard today. <laughs> you know, they're going to be thinking, got to stop Oddle. Their, their, their team talk's going to be all about Oddle, all about our dealers, all about Perryman and Archibald. And I'm going to be able to run free. Nobody's heard, heard of me. Nobody knows what my strengths are. Nobody knows what my weakness are. So here I am, sort of almost. I got voted man of the match as well, but it wasn't because I was, it was probably because they were occupying so many other players that I was just getting acres of space, you know, and I could do as I pleased. There was no pressure on me. But what characters, but incredible footballers that sitting alongside them on my debut, I could just look around and say, well, don't really matter how I play, to be fair. That's incredible. What um what what was it like? Can you remember much about the game though? Like we no. Went, no, nothing. <laughs> no, I remember making a goal, and I think it was Ozzy who scored it. Um, it Why? Well, it's it's amazing football because you can silly the things that you think. I remember every pass and every shot and every everything I've ever did in most games in my life. Right, even today I can still remember them. Um, but on that particular day. Things that I never dreamt I would ever remember, like who come up to me before the game and wished me all the best. You know, remember I just took John Pratt's place. I was a young 19-year-old whippersnapper, and I was taking someone who'd made sort of over 400 appearances' place. 
I'm sitting in the dressing room and suddenly there's a tap. Mick, listen, good luck today. You know, when you're in this situation, do this. When you're in that situation, do that. Johnny Pratt just took his place. And he's, <laughs> he's wishing me all the best. I mean, a bigger man is that? Yeah. I wouldn't have did it to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, incredible. And then at the end of the game, so you know, I can't remember anything. And at the end of the game, I come in, I'm lying in the bath. I'd, I'd got voted man of the match. I actually wasn't, in my opinion, anyway. Mick, absolutely brilliant today. So, Johnny Pratt, I mean, hang on, John, I've just took your place, mate. You're making me feel really bad here. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing this deliberate. Yeah. No, Mick, different class. I mean, how big a man is that? Now, you know, you talk about Johnny Pratt, 450 appearances, I think he made for us. How magical is that to sit there? and take someone who's took your place and you've got the time to advise them, help them and then encourage and praise them. Magic. What was the first game you felt like you really belonged at Spurs? First first team game? Um, well, I, I the, the game where you accept yeah. I'm more than good enough for this level. I was offered a two-year contract by Keith Birkenshaw at the start of 81-82 uh, season. I had made quite a few appearances, quite a few each season, but I thought this is not good enough really. So I, I went to see Keith. Uh, look, I'd had approaches. Arsenal wanted to sign me, Newcastle, Sunderland, they all wanted to sign me. Um, not interested. So I went to see Keith. I said, look, Keith, I said, right. I said, you've offered me a two-year contract, mate. But if, if I sign a two-year, I might have to wait two years for my place in the team. I said, all I ask of you is that I want to sign a one year. I said, but to give me an opportunity to prove myself in that year, if an opportunity arises where one of the stars is out to injured, put me in. He said, okay, Mick, done. That was on the Friday. I was in the reserves the next year. I turns up at White Hart Lane, right? I'm buzzing, because Keith, I know I'm gonna get my chance. Keith told me, I've signed a one year contract. I'm in the reserves. I get in early. One o'clock, we're kicking off at three. I get changed, I get my kit on, I go straight out onto the pitch and I'm warming up, pinging balls across. I'm buzzing. I comes back in because the manager calls it, calls us back in to name the team. I, I comes back in, he names the team. I'm not even sub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sub. <laughs> I'm sitting there with all this kit on, I'm not even. It's like John Terry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, has a massive row with them, stand up row there, and it storms out the ground, goes home, storms in Monday morning to Keith, said to Keith, you said, to I didn't know he was, he'd already picked the team. So I said, okay, fine, put it to bed. <laughs> anyway, opportunity arises, we're playing West Ham at White Hartley in 81 82, right at the start of the season. Picks me, we lose 4 0 at White Hartley. <laughs> I have an absolute nightmare. <laughs> That's it. My career at Tottenham's over. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come through. I'd had a stinker. We lose four 0 Why would he ever give me another opportunity? He just wouldn't. Um, and then, four or five games later, another opportunity arises, and he sticks me in. And I thought, right, I've got Glenn Oddle to the right of me. I've got Aussie to the left of me. Uh, sorry, just behind me. I was playing behind the front. Aussie's deep, Glenn's right, we're kicking off. Archie, Crooks taking the kick. No, it was Mark Falk. Mark Falk. Was it Mark Falk? Yeah, I think it was Mark Falk. Yeah, Mark Falk. Uh, Archie and Mark Falk. 
and I thought I can be a shy boy here and let them pass it back to Glenn from kickoff let them pass it back to Ozzy alright give me it I positioned myself there was them two and I positioned myself and I thought right first thing you've got me do something good do something exciting <laughs> set yourself up ball comes back beats a couple of players passes it boom I'm on a high now boom I'm in the game I'm, not only am I in the game but Glenn and Ozzy are saying, why didn't they fucking pass to me? <laughs> yeah. Then, then Ozzy gives me the ball, I beat three players, spin out, far post cross, Glenn volleys it back first time, Mark Falco tap in 1-0. I've arrived. Now I'm feeling, oh, I'm made for this club, I'm made to play football like this, these fans are going to worship me. I get a few mazes, I, I'm, I'm playing brilliant. That's that's not being conceited or being <laughs> it was brilliant I was brilliant this day uh, anyway off we are through the second half and this is the moment we're talking about when I knew I'd arrived and I knew that I was going to go from straight um, Glenn's picked the ball up deep just inside their half and I'm sort of coming from deep midfield just past Archie and I'm pointing to Glenn look Glenn you see that spot there that's where I want the ball just drop it there, I'll do the rest. Right? And Glenn being Glenn, obviously the very, very quarter of an inch spot that I pointed to, <laughs> he happened to just put the ball there. <laughs> Was it luck? Well, he did it a million times, so yeah, it can't yeah. have been. And he just left it exactly where I'd pointed, and I just cushioned it with one touch with my chest, and it come and as it come down the floor, there was two defenders coming from it, and I just rifled it off volley, top quarter. I don't know if you can remember the goal against Notts Forest, 3-0 win, and I just cushioned it chest, off volley, flew rifling into the top corner, and I just ran, I didn't know what to do, how to celebrate, I just ran back thinking, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Wally, and now I watch the video of it, the re someone sent it on Twitter to me the other day, and I'm watching this replay, and there's Ozzy walking back, and he's got his hand on his head, and he's shaking his head and laughing, as if, because he'd always been my biggest advocate, Ozzy, he always pushed me, you've got to get Mickey, you've got to get Mickey, he's talented, he's gifted, yeah. and he would always be pushing me. And he was walking back, shaking his head, going, laughing his head off, like that. <laughs> I know what he was thinking, he never told me, but I know what he's thinking. He was thinking, shit, why did I tell Keith to keep this tight, he's going to take my place. <laughs> <laughs> That's superb. All right, um, we're overrunning, so uh, we're going to break here for, the, for half. Uh, have a little break and then we're going to come back to it Mickey if that's alright yep typical Glenn Hoddle driven into the net beyond Francis with such precision and such power too it was the lovely touch here from Hazard that opened it and Hoddle belted the ball wide of the keeper Art he may look anxious, Keith Birkinshaw, but he'll be delighted with the way Tottenham are carrying the game to the opposition right now. After taking the lead, Chelsea have been second best, and here is Hoddle again. May look for one of those floating shots. He may find Hazard instead. That might well be good enough for Tottenham Hotspur. They are surely on their way into the semi-finals now. A killer blow struck by Mickey Hazard, teed up as he was by Hoddle. 3-1 it is for Spurs, they are on their way. Mickey Hazard, singing. You know I can't smile without...
smoke 20 a day um, on the way to away games he'd be smoking on the bus to the game um, the same player would have steak and chips uh, for his pre-match meal um, everything that you say not to do he would do um, and actually still smokes to this very day and often when he's in your car he would say can you just pull over so I can have a fag um, <laughs> And I think I'll shock you when I tell you his name because, number one, he was probably the fittest um, player on the pitch and who, who covered the most more ground than anyone else on the pitch. 
uh, Ozzy Ordeal is. Um, it's quite staggering. You would not believe, but he would smoke. We all have different reactions to nerves. You know, yeah. I, I've seen players who sit in the dressing room and they go to the toilet and spew up everywhere. I'll see players who get up off their seat and fold a towel and then unfold it and fold it back and unfold and do that all the way to kick off. Ozzy would be, he'd be like a you know, chain smoker, one out, one in, one out, one in. Just smoke, 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 and, and steak and chips. And I mean, everything that an athlete shouldn't do, he did. Incredibly fit, incredibly fit. So sometimes it leaves, begs the question, is it really that bad for you? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, because you smoke. <laughs> but no, he was the only one who was a, a, a big smoker. My nan smoked 20 cigarettes a day since, since she was 21 and she's 88. So there you go. Living proof. living proof that it's good for you. Yeah, it's good for you. It's, it's absolutely good for you. Although she may live, it looks like she's going to live to about 120. So, um, you know, definitely. Well, can I have some of them cigarettes that she's smoking? <laughs> it's Super Kings. That's for sure. They're the longest cigarettes as well. Uh, I love my nan dearly, but I really, really uh, you know, you got to commend her commitment to the tobacco smoking. industry. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a difficult time at the moment to be a Spurs fan um, we're going through a very odd I mean it's, there was so much hope you mentioned the first half um, about uh, you know the, the beginning of the season the way people uh, were, were kind of excited about what was happening and and now they're not but there's one phrase that that kind of sticks with all Spurs fans and, 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 and it's plastered all over the stadium every single time we play except when we're playing Europa League and that's the game is about glory and I've just wondered what that kind of phrase means to you Mickey wow well the great Danny Blanchflower is uh, famous for that saying sadly um, the only thing I ever found wrong with that phrase is I didn't say it <laughs> you know I'd love to be the owner of that quote it's, it, it, it'll live forever um, what it means to me is, you know, when we were kids, uh, playing in the, the back lane, playing in the back garden, playing down the field with your mates, all you thought of was uh, how skillful you could be. Could I beat these three men? Could I smash it into the corner? In your own mind, you were playing in your own World Cup final, your own FA Cup final, your own everything. So it's, it, it's, it's about the, the dreams of a youngster about coming through from the age of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, with this dream of, of fulfilling uh, your dreams, winning a, a cup, playing in an FA Cup final, playing in an FA Cup. Uh, to be honest, hang on, let me just think about this. I can't ever recall thinking, if I score this goal, we're going to finish fourth. <laughs> no, I didn't ever think that. That was always, it was the winning goal in the FA Cup final or the winning goal in the, the World Cup final, the, the, the goal that took us to the league championship. Because why? Because that's what the game's about. It's about the glory. And as the great Bill Nicholson once said, as long as you strive, as hard as you can strive, and as creative and flair that you play with, as long as you can do and give all those things, even defeat will have with it an echo of glory. Another sad fact that he made that quote, not me. <laughs> Sadly, but two incredible quotes from two incredible uh, people within our history. Um, and 
truer words have never ever been spoken as far as I'm concerned For, forget forth the game's about glory let's win things speaking of glory I think you tweeted a picture of you the other day wearing an Anderlecht shirt whose shirt was that? Um, well who was who was Anderlecht's greatest player in that cup final? who was their biggest star their biggest name Enzo or Schieffer? yeah Schieffer yeah yeah. I've got to say this, and this is with no bias whatsoever and total honesty. Um, Enzo came running up to me and he said, Mickey, can we swap shirts? <laughs> 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 now, I actually think it was the guy who came to, um, um, what's his name, who, who, who ran over, who became director of football at our club, what was his name? Arneson, Frank yeah. Arneson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was Frank's. Um, I didn't ask him to be honest with you I did have a very good game in the UEFA Cup final and I honestly believe that he came up and asked me um, and in my excitement who cares what shirt I'm wearing I've won the, I've won the Cup I'm, I'm, I'm basking in this glory I want to enjoy every second of it when I look at the picture now I feel quite I love the picture and it's me and uh, it's me it's my hero Ozzy who beat me at golf today <laughs> and in the background we've got the skipper who obviously missed out in the second leg so two key people who played a key part in my career um, and who had partnered in the centre of the midfield at some stage during that final um, were in the picture with me um, but I sometimes feel sad that I haven't got my shirt on Yeah, yeah. I, I feel a bit it sort of upsets me a little bit because I think why haven't I got my white shirt on? <laughs> you know, because <coughs> I think the greatest nights of all at White Hart, the end of the European nights when we're playing all oh, white, yeah. it's such a feeling of superiority. You walk in, you feel, you just feel... Like angels walking on. Yeah. You, do, you, you actually feel unbeatable. I mean, amazing. So the only regret I have about the picture, and, and I don't have many, but it's, why didn't I have my white shirt on? Amazing picture. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Someone actually uh, emailed in, and uh, I can't remember who it was now. I think it... No, I don't know. It was actually... I don't want to say his Twitter name. He basically edits adult movies. (laughs) (laughs) He wants me to store him one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He said, do you ever play... Did you ever, ever play a game with your shirt tucked in your shorts? (laughs) To be honest with you, it caused... Row upon row upon row upon row. <laughs> and I, Keith Birkinshaw, before every single game of my career, would tell me to tuck my shirt. <laughs> uh, no, no matter how old I was, even when I became a very experienced player, get your shirt tucked in. Right, now, I used to say, Keith, you don't get it, do you? He used to say, what do you mean? Uh, look, Keith, when I have my shirt tucked in, I feel like everyone else. I just feel like run-of-the-mill, uh, I'm just nothing I said when my shirt's out and my arm the shirts are over my arms I said I feel arrogant I said I feel like there's nobody out here can get the ball off me because I've got this air of superiority because I'm I've got my shirt out I'm different to everyone else and it, it gave me that belief and that confidence and that arrogance if you like to go out and stand on the ball and see if you want it come get it do you know what actually when now you say that the the, the most the players with the most flair, the ones that I remember, the ones with the, the like Waddle used to wear his shirt out. Uh, Janola did. Hoddle. Hoddle did, and obviously Hoddle copied you. Obviously, obviously yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, 
Yeah. Platini. Yeah, yeah. And you think the, the best players in the world play play with the shirts tucked out. So Shit, why was I? Why did I have <laughs> <laughs> No, but it, it, it is. Honestly, I used to feel so incredibly... Do you, and something else, unfortunately, it, it got banned. Till about the age of 21, I never wore shin pads. Yeah. I used, I used to like my socks rolled down. Yeah. I used to say, there's my legs... This is how I used to think. There's my legs. There's no pads. My socks are down around my ankles. You want to kick me? If you think you're good enough, come try. <laughs> right? And Keith used to say, get your socks pulled up. Get your pads on. And he used to force me to, 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 to wear them. And I wouldn't. And at every opportunity, down they went. And I, because I used to think, if, my, if I didn't have pads on and my socks were around my ankles, everyone knew that. Mm. So either I move quick or I've got a broken leg. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I used to pit my quickness of thought and quick feet against theirs any day. Everything you've just said is the exact same philosophy I apply when I play <laughs> five aside football well, actually, on a Sunday I, morning. I learned it off you. <laughs> I know. Well, I did that's I've got a few things to show you. I was gonna say you're talking about great quotes, but I mean like I, I play with my socks rolled down, I don't wear shin pads. Come get the ball. Come get it off me. Exactly. That is a fucking great quote. That is but I think you'll get it, mate. I think you'll find with all that sort of skillful, talented, uh, quick-footed players, they all like that. It was a, a bit like what I was saying to you, Ozzy. Ozzy liked to let you think you'd overrun it, but he hadn't really. Yeah. You know, I used to, th- I used to ooze it. Come on, just come on, take it. You know, I, I remember games I played in where I was skip past someone, and I'd stop and look look back at them out the corner of my eye and think, "See you, mate." <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just it, that sort of air of arrogance gives you the confidence to just go and do it. Now it didn't work all of the time. Sometimes you got caught, and sometimes it hurt. <laughs> but but I used to I, I used to need that feeling of arrogance. You, know, you can't get this. No matter how hard you try, you can't get this. You know, I used to have to have that feeling because it gave me the, the confidence to go out on the park and do whatever it is I had to do. Do you know that's what MC Hammer thought when he wrote his song, You Can't Touch This? You <laughs> <laughs> saw Mickey Hazard, hours and hours of tape, yeah. <laughs> inspiration for the hook. You can't touch this. <laughs> I'm sure if you speak to anybody who played with their shirt out or their socks rolled down, mm. they would all say the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you talked about pain. Um, Spurs. Uh, in my opinion, got demolished last night against Benfica. I, I spoke to you earlier on the phone, Mickey, and you are a little bit more optimistic and, and, and kind of philosophical about what happened. What, what, what did happen? What, what, why did we get smashed for you one? Um, well, we were playing a decent Benfica side, number one. Um, I actually thought that for 20 minutes until they got the first goal, I think that the game was pretty even, Stephen. If anything, I felt we had the edge without dominating the game and without creating too much. Um, we had the edge. Um, we were up for the fight. Um, and then I thought we got sort of suckered in. And For instance, you know, I coach and I say to my kids, look, look if their midfield players got time and space on the ball, you know, drop, they let them have it to feed. You know, don't, I don't want them getting in behind us because if they get behind us, that's how they score goals. And if you look at the, the replays of the video, um, the goal, the, the midfielders broke free into space. Um, we've squeezed 
sort of about five yards inside our own half. We've held such an incredibly high line. They were very <coughs> quick, and it, uh, the gap between centre back, full back was too too great. Uh, Norton was looking sort of cross to the right back, which his body shape couldn't see what was outside of him, and it got played in in between the two. And then of course it was just the pace then. So. It was a sucker punch, really, against... Maybe we'd got drawn into the fact that we were we were pressing high because we wanted to get at them and put them under pressure and not let them play. And you know, But you've got to recognise, within that, they're still OK. Sometimes they're going to break free. When they do, protect the space in behind. Uh, but I, I genuinely feel that if that first goal hadn't have been scored and we got the first goal, I think that we would have gone on and won. What happened after that, again, I didn't feel they... Totally dominated the game. They got two goals from corners, bad marking, bad reaction. To, on the second one, the ball dropped. They reacted quicker than us, and he smashes it in. Off the, you know, in goes sometimes. Some go in, some fly over the bar, some slice wide. It flies in. Um, but in 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 real terms, yes, we didn't play well. Um, it, just after half time, when Adebayo had that chance, it was a great chance to get one one and dragged it wide <laughs> of the post. We get two. They we concede a goal. We get great free kick from Ericsson to make it two one. I'm thinking, come on, let's get back in this. You know, we we go over there with a two all draw. We, we can still go away and win because our away form's been great. And I'm really hopeful. And unfortunately, they scored quite a quick goal. We never got a chance to build on the momentum of Ericsson's goal, and then it started to fall apart. Rick, what did you think? Because you was at the game, and obviously. That's quite an optimistic way of looking at things, and I'm kind of agree with you because I, I was last night when I was on Twitter, I, I, I was quite angry. I was on the verge of tweeting get Sherwood out. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but I was angry. I was angry too. Did you delete your tweet over and over that's again? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an important point. He's angry, and and what you know, a bit like Tim when he said what he said after the Chelsea game. You got to remember, this is the most emotional game you'll ever play, ever watch. It brings about. Emo- every single emotion you'll ever experience but all within 90 minutes and at times if, at the wrong time you get asked the wrong question you can say the wrong things or you you can write something down on Twitter without actually oh, are you yeah. talking about uh, Sherwood's interview after after the Chelsea game after the Chelsea he, he game, slated yeah. the players because we slated him on here for, for that um, you know I wouldn't slate him as I said he got asked the question at the wrong time and, and, and emotionally he was on a, a downer because we just lost 4-0 hey haven't we all said something we regret you know with anger you know with disappointment you know with frustration so it's important to remember that this is a highly charged emotional game and sometimes things get said that we maybe uh, mean at the time but in the cold light of day we sort of wish we'd not said it well on the uh, the morning of um, <coughs> the cup game I was at work and making my coffee and someone brought uh, the metro in so as I do thumbing through it uh, read a read a column from an ex-player of Spurs saying that you know the Europa League is the one to go for and you know we've had some great nights at White Lane and that's where the glory is and you know we can do Benfica and I was like yeah, let's have it. Let's have it. <laughs> Cheers for that, Mickey. Because you're getting interviewed all over the place, Mickey, and, you've, and your enthusiasm is unrivaled and unbridled. Yeah. 
and you get on you it's get on uh, on top uh, talk sport and you're listening to it and you're thinking yes yes we can do it we're gonna fucking do it yes. and then and then and then and then we get stuff free one Mickey yeah it's, it's quite, <laughs> I mean like I was quite, you know when you just I was stirring my coffee and well, I was reading it, it t- and I was and I was just like but, word for word and but, I was like but doesn't it tell you a story. Not to listen to a word I say. (laughs) (laughs) We turn the podcast off there. No, no, listen. (coughs) The bottom line is this, is that um, the point I was making in the Metro is that we've had so many great victories at White Hartley in in Europe. Europe. The atmosphere, the buzz that that it it generates, these night matches in in the Europa League, in in Europe, you know, Dnipri, for instance. Mm. I mean, who'd have ever dreamt that we were capable of coming back from 2-0 down sort of three, four minutes into the second half but we came back and won so of course whenever you talk about what might be it can go wrong and but I always say is hang on I support Spurs they're my team if I don't believe they can win then I reap what I (laughs) sow because I get what I expect for what I mean by that is I believe they can win every game. And I believe they can win every game because I want them to believe they can win every game. right? Because if I don't believe they're going to win, how can I expect them? I can't be an hypocrite and say, look, I don't believe you can win, but I want you to believe you can win. <laughs> That's not right. That, that can't possibly be right. It's got to be, I believe you can win, believe you can win. And, and, and we're halfway there to making them believe they can. I mean, at the moment, with you, you kind of say, you, well, I personally see some players that are underperforming, abject performances, heads down. And with a player like yourself, you know, guts, determination, wanting to win, playing for the shirt, you know, everything that every fan loves. I mean, but then you see a performance like that or a performance against Chelsea, and you think, why aren't these players feeling it? What, like, I, I just don't. Sometimes I just don't get well, it. Perhaps they are. Perhaps but, they are, and they're but, just having a bad but, game. Well, I don't see it. But I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, I know they're not going to come out and say like Mickey. Surely, surely at the, the, that's what, during your experiences at Spurs, it wasn't all kind of roses. It was no. just it, there must have been times where there was criticism thrown at you and and and, you, and probably unduly, and they're saying you're not trying hard enough, or it might not have been you, but other players in the team. To be honest, I can't ever recall <laughs> such a criticism <laughs> as not trying levelled. Uh, you know, you've got to remember, we were playing Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern yeah. Munich. We were playing top, top teams. And, and we were if we lost, we lost by the odd goal. If we won, we won by the odd goal. I can't ever recall. I can recall us saying we played poorly, but not that we didn't give everything. Is we, the criticism due then? Um, I don't... Listen... It's very difficult to say whether someone is or isn't trying or not because confidence is an incredibly strange thing. And someone playing with confidence can look like he's given blood for the cause. But someone playing with no confidence can look like he's not actually trying. Um, and that's the something that we have to learn to differentiate between is this, the, 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 the guy who's lost confidence is it's not slightly not the same as not trying and I think that there is a lack of confidence in certain individuals within our team at this moment uh, but I would never ever level at them you know I look at Polinio last night for instance who I feel is looks a little bit low on confidence 
but I saw them make, making sliding tackles and uh, and doing things that I, I actually felt sorry for the guy last night I thought he was absolutely awful I agree but what, really really bad he was I totally agree I totally yeah. agree but his confidence was really bad and his quality was really bad but I thought he at least um was making some tackles or attempting to make tackles attempting to run around and it just looked like I, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever been unconfident in your own walk of life for instance if, you, if, if you're reading um, a, a podcast for instance and, and, yeah. and you're not feeling confident about it and you start stuttering and stammers you know, other people will say why, why, why is he doing that you know it just looks bad because you're not feeling confident and I think that what's happening at the minute is uh, morale's a bit low, um, results haven't gone our way, performances are not great, um, there's been a lot of turmoil within the club throughout the course of the season, form hasn't been great throughout the course of the season, and players are sort of uh, adapting, not only are they struggling at the moment, they're having to adapt to new culture, new language, new club, new team, new teammates, there's lots of things that these players have to adapt to, so maybe we need to be a little bit more patient. I'm not sure if you played much five-a-side football, uh, Mickey, but um, when, when I'm playing five-a-side on a Sunday morning, sometimes my confidence dips and I can't get the ball in the goal. I'm trying shots from, from a range and they're not going in. And But other times I'm, I'm on fire. Most of the time I'm on fire. And uh, I hit shots and they go in. And, and I think that's where you're coming from, Mickey. But, 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 but that's a technical thing. Yeah. You know, a confidence fix techni technique too. And, um, but it doesn't affect heart. Mm. And it doesn't affect desire, and it doesn't affect will to win. So while I will forever, ever make excuses about trying to dribble past someone, trying to curl a shot into the top corner, trying to hit a wonder pass, or even a simple pass, they're all based on being confident technically. Desire, heart, will to win, fight, they all come from within yourself. They come from inside your body, and it's it's your heart that drives you onto those things. So no excuses for those things. Well, I mean... You Sorry, to the same one. When there's some shots that Bell tried, for example, he wouldn't have tried if he wasn't confident. So yeah. mm. it's, it's a valid point. That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, g going back into like you were saying about the different players and cultures and things like that, and at the moment with uh, Tim coming, completely different style to ABB. As, as a person, you, I, I often think, you know, how long does it take to embed your tactics and and what you want to give the players. <clears throat> what you want them to do I mean there, there's a, some statistic that when you go into a new job it, it's an average of three months before you settle before you know people before you know your role before you're confident in what you're doing as a football player I mean fr from a simpleton like myself it's a ball and you, you know if you're, if, you, if you're on the right wing and you're doing that for another club and you're brought in to play on the right wing but then somehow with all these other players coming in, where, where is it going wrong? How how long well, do you give someone like Tim Sherwood? How long do, how long does it take to adapt? Well, it's not quite as simple as that because when 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 a new player comes to a club, for instance, you you need to learn what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. Where does he want the ball? Where does he want it in front of him? Does he want it to feet? Does he want it behind him? Uh, how does he like? To, which foot does he receive it with? How does he dribble? How does he this? Where does he pass? So you're having to learn lots of things about him and he's having to learn lots of things about you. Remember, we've had seven, eight players trying to all learn all of these things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's too much information to try to absorb. Um, 
and there's a maybe a, a, a slight language problem I don't know how well they speak English um, I really don't know that and, and the difficulty maybe Tim has of getting over points to them I, I don't I can't comment because I don't know what their uh, language problems are um, but it isn't quite as simple as it seems it's it's far far more complex and, and they're not the first and they won't be the last to suffer these types of problems when they come to a new club. You talk about confidence and kind of you know the importance of, of um, kind of believing in yourself and, and, and the fans getting behind you. Sunday's game against Arsenal is probably the biggest of our season and it's been a despite totaling a, a decent amount of points and we're in a decent position very very kind of abject atmosphere around White Hart Lane and we're playing the enemy uh, how, how do you feel it might go listen the reason it's so abject is is because the spending of 107 million pounds built up each and every list each and every one of our expectations went sky high and I've got to be honest I was probably the leader of the pack <laughs> I, I, I was thinking I want to win the Premiership this season. <laughs> I, I didn't give a time to. Th I, I didn't even think. Oh, they'll take time to settle. I thought thirty-two million, twenty-eight million. World-class footballers are going to fit in quickly. We're going to win Premiership, FA Cup. Uh, we're going to win everything this season. So I'm the leader of the pack. Um, in terms of um, Sunday, if ever, if ever you want to play in a North London derby. Not the best time to play them when you're not playing well. Not the best time to play them when your confidence is low. Not the best time to play them um, when individually we, and, and collectively we're struggling. But let me tell you, when you've just had poxy crap results, the fans are feeling low and down. Um, there's a, a sort of uh, despondency in the air. As a player, I want the biggest game I can possibly play in because I want to turn you lot all back in my favour in our favour I want to go out and show you look we're here and we are quality and we're going to fight and fight and fight to turn this around and I can't think of a game that whets the appetite more than the NLD the problem we have with that is do our players know that now it's Tim's responsibility, it's Les's responsibility, and I've got no doubt they will be doing it. They will be sitting in training, they will be sitting in, in the dressing room before the game, telling each and every one of those players how important this game is. This game means everything to us sitting here now. We don't want to lose, we've lost twice this season, I don't <coughs> want to lose again. I don't want my timeline full up with messages <laughs> from the scum. Yeah. I want to be able to send out my messages, right? I don't, that's the message we have to get, get. So this for me is the best game we could possibly be playing because our players can become heroes. You get the winning goal on Sunday, forget what's gone on, you will be a hero. And for the next however long, they are going to chant your name. You're going to be written about all over Twitter. You're going to be hero worship. He's doing it again. Oh, no, Mickey, he's doing dead. it again. <laughs> We're gonna go into it. I think we're gonna win four 0 No, but th this is how we, this. <laughs> but it's this? so important that these, th our our staff, everybody, we have to hammer these songs at our foreign yeah. players. Yeah. This is the game. How big it is. This is the game. Sod what's gone on before. Win this one. 
Heroes. Absolutely. Heroes. Absolutely. It's the. I don't even want to cons- consider. I can't even think about defeat. Sorry. Uh, Mickey, what's your kind of favourite memory as a player from the North London derby? Oh, my first one. Is this, hang on, is it, before you say this, it, have you, it, it, you're talking about the video and the goal. You know, uh, the, the, there was a goal that you scored. Oh, right? yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. And I was asking, because last time you was, we were trying to find people to, that had a copy of the video, because it is somewhere. Is it? There was a, well, no, oh, you, wow. <laughs> you, you, you said it was on, it was yeah. recorded. No, it was recorded, yeah. But, so we still haven't found but it. because Arsenal, I think they, I actually think Arsenal, yeah. they've got such bad feelings about me. <laughs> I think they deliberately, I think they knew <laughs> I was going to score a wonder goal that day and make two others and be voted man of the match and I think that they de- deliberately wore an advertisement on the shirt so it wouldn't be shown on TV that's what it was so Mickey scored this great goal against oh, Arsenal oh it was the best goal I ever scored really yeah. genuinely genuinely Ricky Villia passed it to me on the half wheel line I beat three players from the half wheel line John Hollands was sprinting across from right back I was about 25 yards out I went to rifle it knowing he was sprinting and he slid and as he slid I just took Touched it outside of him with the outside of my left foot and watched him slide across. I'll have a strawberry one, John. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, unleashed unleash this shot from 25, 25 yards. George Wood sprawling across the goal, top corner of the net, running away. First, Northland. What's, what's the fuss about? What's all the fuss about? Northland and Derbies, these are a doddle. You know, bang. Then I made two goals in the second half for Goff Crooks. Got voted man of the match. I thought, hey, what's these North London dots? Can I play in one every week? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and and none of it was recorded, or it was recorded. It was, it was on TV, and because they had a bloody advert on, I couldn't get to see it. Oh, that's, so that's if anybody's tragic. got it, tweet me it. Another another appeal to find this goal. I need to yes. see it. So we, we will pay. We will pay play. millions for it. No, honestly, I'm not. I'm not joking. I scored some very good goals in my time. That was the cream of the crop. It was a top top notch. Okay, so I guess uh, we should end on some predictions for the North. Should we do, do, is it even worth it? I, I, th- don't, I don't think we should tempt fate. Um, okay. 5-1 Spurs. <laughs> we'll win 4-2. We'll win 4-2. He's converted me. It's like being, it's like being See, a church. Mickey, we need to go to football together. Is, I need to be, be around you that uh, before. Well, you don't want to come with me because I went with Coity. Yeah. Right? We did, me and Coity. Paul sat, Coit, uh, Yeah, Paul Coit, Yeah. We sat in the stand and we, it was against Manchester City last season, right? <laughs> <laughs> and when, when Bates scored, we scored to get one all. I said to him, we're going to win this. I said, Coity, we're winning it. I said, we, I said, if we keep at them, we'll win this. And then Bates scored and I jumped on him, right? And we were set, I dislocated his shoulder. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, 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 but how amazing is that? Yeah, but that's an amazing. Uh, uh, he bloody sued me. <laughs> but that that game was un. un- oh, it was unreal. It was. It was unreal. unreal. Talked about it on the podcast before, but I was like three rows from the Man City fans, and there was two young lads. They were must have been about seventeen or eighteen, and you imagine being seventeen, seventeen or eighteen, and having man the Man City that they are today compared to 10 years when they were five or six starting yeah, to get yeah, an idea yeah. about what it was yeah. and then they're now the dominant force that they are or would be and they were given it and it was horrible for 80 minutes Mickey I can't stress how horrible it was it was like ah, it was like they're laughing in your face and then we destroyed them in seven minutes scoring oh, three goals <laughs> it was magical wasn't it oh, 
Yeah, this is what football's about. Absolutely. We didn't, we didn't That's why, hey, listen, listen. Who says we can't go and do the same in Benfica? Oh, we may you well know? do. I, I, it's never over to the fat lady sings. We're still in, <laughs> we're a shout. Our away form's been great. Yes, not so great lately, but our away form's been great. We set up, we seem to set up much better away from home. Why not? Come on, you Spurs. Uh, Mickey, I want to thank you very much for coming on. It's it's our pleasure, actually. And uh, Ricky, thank you for coming down. Don't even mention it, mate. You know, it's, we're only introducing you to another Tottenham legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. And where uh, we like, get Ozzy and Ricky? <laughs> oh, can, can we? That would be amazing. One day, just no, I'm, that around I'm the table. Speak to them. It'd be insane. My dad it's going to be between April 28th and the end of May. My dad uh, has a, needs a hip replacement and he'd do a backflip. Polonius, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And a quick shout out to Matt Hull who came down. All the way from Stevenage. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you, Matt. Cheers, thank you. And Sophie, uh, Mickey's better half. Oh, is that, is that a, not okay? It's way, way beyond me. <laughs> Thank you very much, Listen, when it sitting for all of our nonsense. When it comes to that, I'm Div 3. And this has been the Fighting Cock Podcast. Thank you very, very much. Network. Sports Social Podcast 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 Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.